Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Before the Box Score. I'm your host, Tate Edwards. It is bye week. It is the bye week blues. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on, but that's not going to stop us from bringing you entertainment for your ear holes. I am joined tonight by a familiar voice. We have Josh Madica on the line with us talking about Missouri football. Say hello, Josh. Hello, everyone. Nate, if there is not a box score to be had this week, what what box score are we beforeing tonight? <laughs> well, we're just gonna we're gonna before uh, the rest of the season. Uh, before the a, box scores, if yeah, we're gonna be very technical about before it. Before all of the box scores that will happen from here on out. Um, yeah, and, and it's gonna be odd. It's a, it's an odd uh, view, if you will, because we're we're kind of taking a look back at what this team is uh, to see what they can be in all of the future box scores that we will encounters so hey it's weird it's bye week you get crazy right yeah for sure i mean i I think i wrote in one of my uh one of our morning editorials early this week that the bye week is kind of i think i called it the kryptonite for content managers everywhere and i will say we did have someone angry in the comments at us and i would like to point out to you whoever you are if you want to write about volleyball and softball and everything and not get paid for it you're more than welcome hit us up We'd love to have you. Um, but yeah, um, it's kind of a weird weekend, um, especially for people like me who watch minimal college football when Mizzou is not involved. Like, mm-hmm. I'll watch kind of around the edges when Mizzou is playing, but this weekend I'm kind of like, I'll check the scores, but college football is going to be noticeably absent from my life this weekend, which is not normal for <laughs> the f- for a fall. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what I'm going to do with my time. We'll have to we'll have to give some suggestions at the end of the show because yeah it's it's a odd it's an odd place to be especially when mm-hmm. you're following one team so um, yeah we will tease you on that while we dive into the first uh, first four games thirty three percent of our season so far uh, the Tigers sit at three and one we all know what that one was um, but the three have been pretty great. I, I guess looking at this team uh, I've done one uh, deep dive. Uh, on the advanced metrics of the Tiger offense, the defense will be coming tomorrow. Well, I guess today, technically, when you're listening to this. Um, so my thoughts are already out there, but that's why I wanted to bring Josh on. Because, Joshua, I'm curious. Four games down, what's the biggest takeaway you've had from the Missouri football Tigers this season? Well, I mean, there's there's a few big things. Obviously, I think the big one that a lot of people will look at and, and point to is the defense, right? That's that's kind of been the big story of the year. Last year was really the last few years under Barry Odom. We, we kind of saw a lack of defensive anything. <laughs> I almost <laughs> said prowess, but re- really even mediocrity yeah. would have been acceptable under the Drew Locke years. Um, and a lot of people came into this year thinking Ryan Walters was going to get it was kind of going to be on the hot seat coaching for his job, but he's turned Mizzou into maybe not an elite defense, but a very, very good one. Um, but we're going to be talking a lot about the defense as we go through the night. I think my biggest takeaway so far, and I don't want to start off on a negative note, but um, is it just me or does Kelly Bryant not really have chemistry with anybody that he's throwing the ball to <laughs> like um I, again like it's not that Kelly Bryant's been bad he's, uh, he's I think he's been very good obviously outside of the uh kind of some of the backbreaking mistakes that he's made um I think he's doing a pretty good job he's managed the game when he's needed to uh and really outside of the South Carolina first half he's 
looked pretty solid overall. Again, kind of give or take the, the big mistakes, but over the wide swaths of the game, he's looked pretty good. But man, it just doesn't seem like he's really hooking up with anybody. Obviously, um, Albert ok- Okwebidam has four touchdowns, but even he only has 157 yards on uh, on 10 catches, and Jonathan Johnson has 16 catches, but he's only averaging nine, ag- nine per catch. Uh, Jalen Knox has 20 per catch, but I feel like a lot of those have come in those two receptions against SEMO. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my big takeaway is despite the fact that Kelly Bryant, I'll spin this into a positive here. Despite the fact that Kelly Bryant, I think has been pretty good, maybe even a little better than maybe what the middling section of the fan base has thought. Um, it just seems like his receivers and, and his passing targets really haven't lived up to the bill so far. So you can look at that and be like, Oh, well hasn't been great, but you can also think, Hey man, it can only get better, right? I'm certainly banking on that. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, why why is Kelly Bryant looking like he's throwing to a bunch of receivers he's not played with for four years? Well, surprise, uh, he's not. And you know, for all of Jonathan Nance, you know, transferring in, and that's a talent. And Jalen Knox is a talent. Cam Scott and Dom Jacinto and Jonathan Johnson—they're all talents. They're, it's there. Uh, there's not a lot of familiarity. And, you know, one of the most key, the key aspect to a successful passing game is experience, just downright experience. Uh, Someone that you are used to, you know, their movement, they know the system in and out, and you got a first and only year starting quarterback uh, with a bunch of young receivers and a transfer receiver. So it's, I think it's a disappointment. Uh, The offense is a disappointment only in the aspect of what we expected um, of a plug-and-play replacement for Drew Locke um, with probably pushing the timeline of receiver development maybe a year too soon. Um, is that because we were hoping it would click with Bryant? Maybe. Is it because we had so many other people returning? So I was like, well, of course it's going to work. Maybe. Uh, but it's a disappointment purely from the standpoint of we had such high expectations. Just keep in mind, Kelly Bryant uh, at Clemson uh, completed 65% of his passes um, you know, he's doing about 6.2 yards per attempt, and that is counting passes. Currently, our our dear friend Kelly um, is completing what is it? 65% of his passes, 7.4 yards per attempt. So he's actually better over four games than what he was in his entire time at Clemson. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to denigrate Kelly Bryant in any way. I tried to make it sound as positive about him as possible. Like, I, I think he's been really wonderful so far. I, I think my expectations were high coming into the year, but realistically, I knew that, I mean, he's not, he doesn't have the arm talent, uh, NFL scout terminology, the arm <laughs> talent that Drew Locke has. But I mean, he's, he's a playmaker in his own right, but I, I think he's been really great. And I, the numbers you just uh, put out um, espouse that. And then even in this last leg, we saw him get involved with his, uh, in his last game, I should say, we saw him get involved with his legs a little bit. It just seems like he has yet to really make that connection. Like we saw with Drew Locke and Emmanuel Hall um, or Jamon Moore over his career, Kelly Bryant has yet to develop that with any of these guys. Um, we've, Like I said, uh, we've seen Alberto make some nice touchdown catches, but it's been kind of in a game-in, game-out basis. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Jonathan Nance had a really strong first game, and I was actually really looking for him to break out after that. Um, and he's been kind of he's been kind of right down the middle, uh, Knox had a game. Cam Scott has had a like one catch that I was really hopeful about, but he's yeah. kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Tyler Beatty seems to be a really nice option out of the backfield, which is a nice little development. But I don't know. It, it, like I said, you can take it as a positive. It can only get better from here, right? I absolutely agree. You know, uh, it's going to be on both fronts, right? The offensive line is going to gel. The rapport between Bryant and all the receivers is going to click at some point. This is one of those. They're going to get better as the year goes on. And it's going to be frustrating because you're going to look back and go, oh, where was that at any point in the beginning of the season? The good news is that it's only really bitten us in the butt once. And even then, that was a career day for Kelly Bryant. And for the rest of the games, we haven't really needed a standout receiver, you know, that game-breaking receiver. We've been able to do it with efficiency through the air and explosiveness on the ground. And it's weird, you know, especially Mizzou fans, for the past couple of years, we, we don't expect that type of performance. But we've seen it before in the 2010 team that won 10 games. I think it's more than likely that this is kind of how this team is going to be constructed uh, with a tight end heavy pass game and getting your explosive yards on the ground. And you can win that way, especially pair with the defense. But, no, I'm with you, man. I think it, it is a disappointment, but it's because we just expected pro- probably just a little too much from Mr. Bryant. Yeah, and I think part of that, too, is just that I think Larry Roundtree, this is going to sound weird maybe for some people, but – I think he's had a weirdly, quietly good year, like great year, I should say. I mean, I think he's been really, really great. Um, But I think just the overshadowing of the defense being so good and Kelly Bryant um, being kind of like the hype man, he's really been fantastic so far. And um, I don't know. There's a lot of hope for the offense moving forward, I should say. It's just it's something that I've noticed. I agree. And I think, well, I mean, I'm I'm reading too many tea leaves here but a lot of times especially in non-conference games uh the game plan is going to be kind of you know hide hide your cards you know wrap your quarterback and bubble bubble wrap not get him too involved uh you saw that with drew lock last year when he started hold, you know basically uh keeping on the zone reads once we got into conference play you're seeing with justin herbert now over in oregon he's not running a lot and we know that he can uh kind of same with uh, jalen hurts uh it's, it's preserving your big plays for when it counts the most. And I am going to, based off of nothing at all other than I know how offensive coordinators in college work, I'm going to assume that the Kelly Bryant run game, hashtag KB run game, uh, is going to open up as we get into conference play. And we really need him to get involved uh, to open up the run game overall. Am I crazy of thinking that? No, I think uh, obviously over those first few games we saw the, the offensive uh kind of the the game plan was a little bit shelled up which i we could spend all night probably just rehashing that Wyoming. i mean the wyoming game was kind of the defining thing about this first uh third of the season which is really unfortunate because since then mizzou has looked really really good but i think we've seen the the kind of the playbook open up more i think south carolina obviously was the you know what take this as it will but the the first big test of the season and we saw Bryant have a few more designed runs obviously whenever the the play broke down um he was a little more quick to turn to his legs and, and it worked out really well so I, I think we can only see more of that moving forward with the season which hopefully means that this offense will look a little bit more like the dynamic um the dynamic multiple options all over the field kind of thing that we were expecting Absolutely. Love to see some more RPOs in there. I'd love to see a receiver, you know, shake a couple tackles and go for 20. That'd be nice. Um, 
So we'll we'll see if that comes to fruition. Let let's talk about some positives though, because uh, they're obviously there. I, I guess for you, you know, as as much as this season, or at least the first thirty three percent of the season, has been couched in that damn Wyoming game, like you said. What's the most impressive thing that you have seen so far? Um, again, a lot of the quick thing would be the defense. Obviously, the defense has been the best thing about the team so far. If you look at the SP Plus rankings that Bill does on ESPN, um, they rank 11th in the country, whereas offense is 53rd. But honestly, I'm picking the special teams. Man, the special teams have been a, a real... I don't, it's hard to say because I think with the defense, we, you always knew that the talent was there. You knew Kale Garrett was good. You knew the, the cornerbacks were potentially all conference level talents. Nick Bolton was kind of the, the, the shadowy, oh, he's really good. The coaching staff says he's good, but he hasn't really produced yet. The defensive line had a lot of promising talent and they never really turned it into anything except for this year. But man, the special teams has been really excellent this year. It's kind of amazing what a healthy Rashad Floyd can do for your return game. No joke. Um, we, I was really worried about Tucker McCann coming into the year, not necessarily because of his inaccuracies last year as a kicker, but more about what is punting going to do to him. And he's actually been a better punter than he's been a kicker. That has been kind of a mind-blowing discovery for this team, and it's it's a thing that I think in the past few years we've talked about the games that define Missouri are the close close that they lose the the times where there's just the one or two things that stop them from from turning a, a one or two point loss into a win and I think what we're seeing a lot this year is that the special teams is giving them more margin for error uh, early in that South Carolina game that we saw a lot of mistakes and, and the offense not taking advantage of things, but the special teams was able to flip the field or a good return, got them good field position. And that's really doing a wonder. It gives them a bigger space to find the game that they may still be trying to discover. And obviously it didn't work out so well in the Wyoming game, but man, it's really been a discovery over these last few. I'm shocked at how good Tucker McCann is at punting and like Corey Fatoni, RIP, my boy. Um, at least he's he's Missouri football dead. Uh, he was a tremendous punter. So obviously Tucker McCann was not needed to do that. Tucker is a fantastic punter. He has a success rate of eighty four point two percent right now, uh, which I believe ranks his top twenty five in the nation. Uh, that is nineteen punts, uh, five fair catches, eleven inside the twenty. Um, and then the kickoffs too. That's really one of the best things that he's been doing too. Is that We've had what twenty nine kickoffs, and only one of them one of them has been returned. So ninety six percent of his kickoffs have been out of bounds. Can't do anything with them. That gives a defense excellent, consistent starting field position. Um, he's pinning them with his punts as well. And yeah, Rashad Floyd ten returns, I think eighteen yard average. Um, I said at the beginning of the year, all you need from a punt return is like ten yards just to give you some breathing room, and he has done that and and much more, plus a touchdown. So. Um, his his fielding success rate is about forty percent, uh, which is excellent for a punt returner. Um, yeah, for for all of the issues that we had special teams last year, uh, knock wood, knock all the wood that you can find, uh, they've been really good. They've been really good, and that has been the success for you know helping a, a slagging offense, uh, and of course giving an excellent defense just a great uh, great setup to knock out the opposing offenses consistently. Yeah, I think the. Um and, and, you know, Tucker McCann has – I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me the field goals that he's missed, but he's he's knocked 
home quite a few long ones. I think he, he didn't he miss like a 39 yarder or something against South Carolina. That was kind of disappointing, but yeah, it's almost like you can take a little less efficient uh, kicking game if you're basically having Tucker McCann boot 60 yard punts every time and his <laughs> kickoffs never get returned. Yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 really impressive kind of what a weapon he's turned into. Not because we've known for a while that he's been a really effective, good kicker, but I mean, him turning into this versatile like playmaker with his legs almost is it's it's really been a fascinating development and a really encouraging one especially as mizzou kind of tries to shed this um this persona that they've built up over the years of not being able to win close games if you have a good special teams Mm -hmm. game you're going to win more of those close games because like i said you're going to have more margin for error it's where all those hidden yardages you know Mm -hmm. and, and the thing about college kickers the hashtag college kickers is that every every single kicker in college is bad you just hope that when they are bad, it doesn't hurt you. Uh, uh, Mr. McCann has been 18 for 19 on uh, extra points, and he's been 7 for 9 on field goals. Both of those misses were under 40, but uh, both of those came when it really didn't matter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when you when you find yourself uh, a couple points up, a couple possessions up, uh, you can afford a stray field goal miss here and there. Uh, so it hasn't been backbreaking. And, uh, yeah, I, also my favorite development and I feel like this is a very snarky thing that we're doing, or at least I'm interpreting it as very snarky, is when our gunners uh, are what's when we're getting a kick and they're blocking, whatever that that term is, when they are blocking their guy, they will throw their arms up in the air, like straight up in the air to show like I'm not holding them as as they're running by and like just blocking him. And I think it's absolutely hilarious because we caught we got called for like you know fifty thousand holds last year um and punt returns and now we're just like arms straight up in the air i'm not doing anything uh as mr floyd runs by and i don't know about you but i think it's hilarious <laughs> yeah it's i think hilarious is not the term i, I think i'm just more just like refreshing <laughs> like I, I it just feels good to not be worried that something is going to go wrong on every special teams play because that, yeah. that's like one of what i'm trained to feel like <laughs> under these barry odom teams and, and i'm still yeah. not used to it yeah. So uh, we talked about the good. We've mentioned some bad. Really, just for you, uh, what has been the biggest concern that you've seen that you're worried is going to continue as we go through the season? Well, I mean, we don't have to dwell too much on it just because I kind of talked about it at the beginning. But I, I do think my biggest concern is um, possibly Kelly Bryan's lack of chemistry with some of these uh, with some of these receivers. I think when you go down the list, there's a lot of guys – that um, there's a lot of guys that that he could potentially develop that with, um, and I think Albert O is going to be fine. I think what we're going to see is he's got four touchdown catches in his first four games. Obviously, that can't hold at that pace, but I think he's probably going to end up with nine to eleven touchdown passes, probably on the lower end of that. He's he's going to catch like you know a few balls a game, a good few good third down receptions, and get some chunk yardage there. Um, I think Tyler Beatty's been a really nice safety valve out of the backfield. I think he'll continue to be a nice little weapon for Kelly. Um, but it, it, I guess I'm a little concerned about where did Cam Scott go? Uh, I know I mentioned him earlier. Um, uh, Jonathan Nance, like I said, had a really promising first game and then has kind of uh, disappeared is a little too strong of a word, but hasn't really shown those flashes in these last three games. Jalen Knox had the one big game against SEMO where he had 100 yards catching, essentially. And then 
basically has done the same amount in three other games. Um, and, and I'm not necessarily as concerned about Kelly as I am with them. Obviously, Jalen Knox and Cam Scott are still pretty young. Um, Jonathan Nance is, I mean, he's a senior, so he's going to he's gonna give you that experience. He, he should be able to um, help you in other ways than just catching the ball, like being a good blocker on the outside and everything. But it just, it feels like there's something a little bit more than just, oh, Kelly doesn't have chemistry with these guys. It seems like maybe there's some development that needs to happen there, which is fine. It's not their problem, especially when it comes to the younger guys. They're still learning. But it's almost like, well, you wonder how long it's going to take. I mean, you could be optimistic and say they just need a few more games, or you could say they're still sophomores. It might be another year before we really start to see them come into their own as these back-breaking receivers. Um, And then the other thing that's smaller, I don't know that I would say it's a smaller concern, but I I think I'm a little less worried about it, especially in this portion of the schedule, is uh, the penalties. Way too many penalties right now. I think we've a lot of I, I would imagine some people have turned the corner when it comes to Barry Odom coaching uh this year about kind of what he's able to do with this team and the penalties don't don't um reflect well on his ability right now uh it seems like they're really sloppy at times so he's definitely got to get that cleaned up you know on the penalties I'm I don't know I, I I'm kind of subscribed to the penalties of aggression I don't really care too much about it's the penalties of procedure or like technical, you know, like from a technical standpoint. So your holdings, your false starts, stuff like that. Um, the lining up offsides, which we had a nasty issue with against West Virginia, wasn't great. The two holds on uh, Trevor Wallace Sims weren't great last week. But you know, outside of that, you know, it seems that Odom doesn't really care, um, which is kind of odd. But you know. Again, it's one of those things. If it's going to happen, just make sure it doesn't hurt you. And so far, it really hasn't hurt us. Uh, As you get into conference play, absolutely agree. It's one of those things that you got to keep an eye on. Um, As far as the receivers go, and again, we're not in the receiving room, are these option routes? Are they just picking the wrong option? Uh, There's a couple throws last week where Brett Bryant had them either behind or led them too far. Um, You know, it's... It's a familiarity issue, and yeah, they're all sophomores. Uh, you know, when 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 Pinkle was was head coach, I know that you couldn't get on the field if you didn't know the playbook. That was just like that was kind of standard rule, and it's a fair rule. And I feel that, like that might be the issue with Cam Scott, and I think it was the issue for Emmanuel Hall too. You know, he was he was a, a prime talent, one of the fastest guys on the team, but he could not get on the field until. Uh, what, Demetrius Mason was dismissed, right? That's when he first came on? Oh, man. Yeah, I forgot that name. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that, that was about it. Yeah, the uh, one of the uh, SEC freshmen, uh, all-freshman team, Demetrius Mason. Uh, once he was once he was dismissed is when they had to press Hall into, into service, and that's when the offense took off. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hate for, you know, someone above him to fall off to get Cam Scott out there, but, you know, six targets, three catches, 81 yards – 27 yards per catch, 13 and a half per target. That's the kind of weapon that you need mm-hmm. uh, if you're trying to open up the offense, and it's something that we've been missing. And, you know, I don't know if, if Mr. Scott needs to know the playbook better or just practice better or what, but 
Yeah, I think we're all quietly sitting here going, that's a weapon we need, and we need him on the field, and everything's going to be better when, when he gets out there, you know? Yeah, I mean, he offers something that a lot of the guys that are currently out there don't. He, he's got this really, and that's not to say that there aren't other receivers who ha- don't have these um, elements to their game and, and their physicality, but he just seems to combine um, speed and size in this really tantalizing way. Um, I think Albert O is kind of his own beast. Like, he's so big and he runs people over, but he's also faster than most of the people that he experiences. He's almost in his other in this other realm. That's why I'm not as worried about him. But the other receivers, either, want, either they don't have his ability to go up and get a ball, or once he gets the ball, he's, he's so exciting to watch him play. Um, this is a really bad comparison. Uh, I'm saying that up front, so you can take this with however much salt you want. But sometimes when I watch him, I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of watching the light, light, light version of Odell Beckham Jr. Because <laughs> he's just got that, when he's got the ball in his hands and he's looking to juke around someone, he's just got that kind of look to him that I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like he could break a huge play right here anytime he gets the ball. But obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. is in the league because he's he's proven that he can do that, and, and Cam Scott hasn't. It's just yeah. that's kind of what I see on the on the on a much less on a much less uh, high level whenever he's out on the field. And you know, Mizzou's been fine without him. It mm-hmm. would just be really nice to see, man. What if what if yeah. he could get out there? So yeah, I mean, he's our tallest receiver. Well, no, I guess Maurice Matt Maurice Massey is. He's six three. Uh, Cam Scott's six two, but Jonathan seems, Johnson five. He seems 10. bigger than six two though. I he feel, does. Like it's when like I look at him, I'm like, he's like six four. That's what it feels like he is, <laughs> but he's not. He's just long. He plays six four. You know, Denario does, yeah. Alexander. Uh, you know, just he just glided. It uh-huh. was effortless. Uh, he played big. He played fast too. But yeah, I mean, our starting receivers are you know Johnson's five ten. Nance is six feet even. Jalen Knox is six feet. Barrett Bannister six feet. Uh, you know, Cam Scott's six two, and if you want to throw a big, you got to go to Alberto or Daniel Parker. Man, I love those guys. They're gonna truck the hell out of you, but they're not, you know, <laughs> they're not breaking open for twenty, thirty yards just by speed. Yeah, it seems like it seems like right now the Mizzou offense is working with a lot of slot type guys, and and obviously Jalen Knox and Jonathan Nance can be burners, mm-hmm. but to really have that true outside threat, you need a little bit of height too, and just. Right now, Cam Scott and I guess Maurice Massey down the road. I, I don't think we can really expect him to contribute no, a ton this no. year, but um, those are the guys that offer that potential. And until you get that, you're just going to have to count on. Well, hopefully, you know Knox can outrun everybody like Emmanuel Hall did, or Jonathan Nance can just break a big play like he did against Wyoming. Yeah. And I mean, we've done this before. Again, the 2010 team: T.J. Mo, Gerald Jackson, Wes Kemp. Wes Kemp was tall, loved the guy, very slow. T.J. Mo. Slot guy in every extent of the imagination. And Gerald Jackson was punching above his athletic uh, abilities very consistently, but he was always going to be outclassed by the number one corner. And the 2010 team just used an efficient passing game. And Devion Moore, Henry Josie, little baby Marcus Murphy, right, back in the day, uh, just rode those guys uh, for explosive plays. And that's what we can do now, especially with the defense that we have. So all that being said, we see things that are good. We see things that we're slightly worried about. If you had to pick what I'm going to call the 33% MVP, right? The best, the most valuable player four games in, who are you going to select? What is the 
what does 33rd percent MVP get? Does he get like a third of a trophy? Does he get like a certificate? I don't know. That's that just like a weird thought that came to my head. No, um, I'm actually pretty surprised, Nate, when I was looking over the Mizzou roster and some of their numbers. I actually found this to be pretty easy. Oh, I, I don't know if I don't know if you had the same experience because I'm sure you you were doing some of this as mm-hmm. well. I mean, it's Kale Garrett, oh, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Like, yes. Like I'm not I'm not overthinking it here. No, like, no. but it's it's obviously Kale Garrett. I mean, he leads the team in tackles. Um, he's got a few tackles for loss. He's got a sack. He's got a touchdown, an interception. I, I'm not trying to be too hyperbolic when I say this. But I think we've already seen the most important play of Mizzou's season, and I think it was that fumble recovery in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we all knew how big that game was going in, and we saw how badly that offense struggled in the first half of that game. If Cale Garrett doesn't make that play that no one else on the field saw, the referees didn't see it, no one on the Mizzou defense saw it, South Carolina, uh, Helsinki Helsinki. His Helsinki. Helsinki. Helsinki is a town in Helsinki. Russia. That's that's a that's like a capital of a Nordic yes. country. I'm pretty yeah. sure, and I keep saying it. But Helsinki, <laughs> Helsinki. Gosh, dang it, Helsinki. I'm so sorry, Mr. Helsinki. Okay. Um, he obviously didn't notice it, but I mean that was a huge play. It stoked Mizzou out to an early lead that they were able to maintain throughout the first half, and then they they obviously ran away with that game, but. Also, like, this Mizzou defense has been so good, and obviously we can attribute a lot of that to Ryan Walters, but how much of this happens without Cale Garrett at the helm? I mean, he is the quarterback of that defense, and they've been so good yeah. um, under under his, I guess, watchful eye. I, I really don't think it's that much of a contest. I thought about Nick Bolton, and I was like, yeah, mm. but he, he's been more for, the, like, the explosive play. Kelly Bryant's been good in moments. Larry Roundtree, like I said, is having a quietly great year, but... I mean, it's Kale Garrett, and it's not really that close, yeah. in my opinion. It has to be a defender, because that's been the standout unit for the first four games. And it's got to be Kale Garrett. He's got 20% of the team's tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack. Uh, he's stuffed the run six and a half times. He's got two passes broken up. He's got the interception. He's got the weird-ass fumble from the South Carolina game. Uh, five havoc plays to his name. It's it's him. It's him. He's the face of that defense. Uh, Nick Bolton is the havoc guy. He's got a couple more Havoc plays than, than Garrett does, and he's a little bit more explosive, but it's him. It's the it's the fourth-year starter. It's the senior. It's the captain. Um, he is such an embodiment of Odom and Walters on the field. Uh, you know, he's the, what is it, the gym rat, the tape, the tape guru is always in there at 5 in the morning uh, looking at tape and learning tendencies. I mean, yeah, absolutely. He's been tremendous. Yeah, it's these are the type of guys that when you look back at, at special seasons in Mizzou's history, and, and obviously we are very much hoping that this can become one of those despite that early season loss, those are the type of guys that you remember. Mm-hmm. They're the fourth-year seniors. It's it's either the fourth-year senior or it's like the breakout freshman. Yes. It's the Kale Garrett or it's the Jeremy Macklin, yeah. right? It's um, and Kale Garrett like fits that mold. Like I've 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 mentioned this before in my articles that I don't like the term like high football IQ, mm-hmm. just because because of maybe some of the implications that come with that uh, sure. on and off the field. Sure. But I mean, he is like the prototypical high football IQ guy. He's not the most athletic on the field. He's not the biggest, but man, he, he reminds me 
of um, in, with maybe like a less explosive Kentrell Brothers. He's always around the play. Yeah. He's a ball hawk in a certain way. Yeah. And he just like knows how to lead this defense. And that sounds really uh, flighty and like you can't back it up with stats. Mm-hmm. But you look at his numbers and you're like, no, he, he backs it up. <laughs> so, I mean, Kale Garrett for MVP so far. And I mean, at this point, he's got such a far lead that I think he'd have I think he'd have a hard time catching up with him, especially in these next four yeah, games. Unless the defense falls apart or, you know, God forbid he gets injured. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. I think it's going to be him. And he's certainly going to be one of the top three most important Tigers at the end of the season if everything holds. Um, so, yeah, I have, I'm in complete agreement with you. Now, it's really interesting how our schedule lines up. Obviously, the schedule itself overall is weak. You know, I don't think anybody, you know, even the most ardent Tiger defender is not going to say, well, this is a tough schedule. Like, no, it's, it's not. But it's been really interesting because we got four games in a bye week, four games in a bye week, and then four games. So, this is really broken out very easily to see, you know, in little different parts. Our next slate, we got Troy at home. We got Ole Miss for homecoming. We go to Vandy, and then we go to Kentucky. So, Mr. Matica, what do you expect out of these next four games? Um, so, I don't know if you were when you were looking at the schedule or if anybody listening thought this when they were looking at the next four games of the schedule – it feels like they're just doing the first third of the season over again, right? You got Troy, yeah. which is this kind of not it, it, it's it's this um, non-power five team that they're they're good and they're like, man, they can beat you if, if you give them enough leg room. But it's like, okay, they should beat Troy. Like there's there's like we talked before the Wyoming game, and it's like there's no reason to think that Wyoming should be able to beat Missouri, right? Right. Obviously, we saw what happened. Um, and it's kind of the same with Troy. You're like, man, Troy just should not come into Missouri's house and beat them, right? Right. Well, I mean, yeah, we've we've seen kind of how those types of games go. But then you turn to another, uh, to an in-conference team in Ole Miss that's kind of reminiscent of West Virginia. I, obviously, they're better than West Virginia, but they're they're kind the of in, in power. rebuilding. Yeah, they're they're in rebuilding mode, and it's like, man, they're. It's nice to put a power five win on your <laughs> on your resume, but they shouldn't present too much of a trouble, especially um, not in homecoming. Then you go to Vanderbilt, which is like they're not SEMO. I was going to say you're not call, you're not calling them SEMO, are you? I hope not. No, okay. no, 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 not at all. I, I, but it is. It's like that's kind of where it breaks down a little bit. But then the big game yeah. of this like quadrant of the schedule or this third of the schedule is Kentucky yeah. at the end. So it's almost like it's a three game run up to one of the two or three biggest games of the year, right? And then you go into the third, third of the season, and all hell breaks loose. You got Georgia right away and Florida after that, but we're focusing on the next four. Um, It's hard to make any, like, definitive, like, statements about what these next four games mean. I think... I don't know. I think... My expectation at the beginning of the year was 10 wins, 10 and 2. I I, I saw... Mm -hmm. um, I think I said in the pieces that we wrote that Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, I, th- I said Mizzou's going to lose two of those games. Now I'm kind of looking at that stretch, especially what you've got in Kentucky and Florida, both having their backup quarterbacks, although Kyle Trask is he's certainly good. not. Yeah, he's, he, Florida's not really losing any ground with him. Yeah. I think if Missouri can go 4-0 in this next stretch, I think 10-2 is still what's going to happen because I wow. think they can beat Florida at home. Yeah. Now, I, now I'll back it up with this. 
I think if Mizzou loses a game in this quad in this quadrant, I think they end up eight and four, maybe. I don't know seven and five it's like seven and five you almost have to search for a loss at some point <laughs> but man I, I think if you're I think that can a lot of it hinges around that Kentucky game obviously yeah. and you don't want to overlook Troy or Ole Miss or Vanderbilt especially Vanderbilt you're going back on the road but I think that's a nice kind of way to acclimate yourself to being back on the road with Kentucky or before Kentucky if they can beat Kentucky I still think double digit wins is pretty probable um but man, if they lose to Kentucky, that that could be the start of a three-game slide, which yeah. would not be good. I mean, and obviously we're looking then at the possibility of an eight and four record, which you know how many programs around the country would kill for an eight and four record. But man, it's hard to look at an eight and four record with this schedule and this team and not be disappointed. Yeah. But we there are obviously some warts that need to be taken out. Uh, they need to be cleaned up and improved. I think there is a roadmap to four losses. It would start with Troy, which is currently a top 25 offense. Um, not saying exposing uh, the Missouri defense, but putting pressure on them like they haven't witnessed before. Um, excellent at, at passing, uh, really opportunistic on the ground. Their defense is bad. <laughs> but, you know, maybe the Missouri offense, you know, trips over themselves for a couple drives and is playing, you know, uh, two-possession catch-up for the entire game and run out of time. Uh, you get Ole Miss, let's just say they take their frustrations out there, and then you go first road game to Vanderbilt, and Keyshawn Vaughn does what he did to us last year. And, uh, and instead of running out of time for the for the Commodores, uh, they open up uh, a surprise lead, and we just can't catch up. Then we go to our, arch, <laughs> our forever nemesis, Kentucky, lose one, and then slide into Georgia. Like, that's not – out that's obviously not something that i want to happen i don't think it's going to happen but it's a obviously it's a possibility on the table um so it really is going to be you know there's no rest here we are missouri fans we should never take any game for granted and i hope the team doesn't either um as as we get you know going to the bye week uh and prepare in a totally new different way everyone's staying at home and hanging out instead of hitting the road which is go for it let's see what happens um, but uh, prepare for Troy, take care of business on Ole Miss, and gear up for a three-game road stretch uh, that's really going to test this team and see exactly what they're made of. Yeah, the Troy game, I mean, obviously I've learned my lesson with uh, Wyoming, which is, I mean, we we can look at Wyoming and say they're, they're, they're still not a good football <laughs> team, but Missouri lost yeah. them, so, I mean, they're, they're probably a little better than maybe um, maybe the numbers say they are, but... I mean, Troy is obviously better. I, I think the thing with Troy that that has me not as concerned. Obviously, you pointed out they have a very good, um, they have a very good offense. It's really going to show us how good this Missouri defense is, because um, I, I don't know that they're maybe the elite defense that they are that they've been right now. I think they've gotten an opportunistic start to the year. But I mean, it is notable that they're they're this highly ranked despite what happened at Wyoming. Absolutely. But I think we're I think we're going to see really who they truly are and get like a I think after Troy we're going to know exactly who the defense is and it's like okay, we can expect that moving forward. Yeah. Um I, I think the offense if you look at SP plus again, the offense is outside of the top 50 and I just I, I don't think that's possible <laughs> like moving forward. I, I think um with the performances that they had against uh South Carolina um, well, with a performance, I should say, they had against South Carolina. And really, that second half in SEMO, I think if you leave your starters in a little bit longer, even 
though he left them in too long to start. Yeah. Um, I think you probably see them kind of slide into those higher rankings. And like we've talked about, the playbook's going to open up. Kelly Bryan's going to be able to get a little bit more time with his receivers. I, I think this Missouri offense is still probably a top 40, at least, offense. And they should be able to, especially with how bad Troy's defense is, you should be able to kind of outrun them. Because the defense should be good enough to hold them, at least on some level. Yeah. Um, and, and that game might turn into a shootout, and then you would just hope that Missouri is able to capitalize on the fact that Troy is not good defensively. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, to me, it all kind of hinges on that Kentucky game. And kind of like we talked about at the beginning of the year, with the first third of the schedule, and obviously it's worked out a little bit more to Missouri's favor, but... If you're walking into that Kentucky game with another loss, you've got way bigger problems yeah. to deal with yeah. than like, oh, how are we going to get to ten wins this year? You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, a lot of that offensive, uh, the offensive rankings as far as SP goes. Uh, I obviously diving into the raw data kind of showed me a little bit more. A lot of that's coming from inefficiencies in the red zone and inefficiencies in third down, and we had a lot of third down issues against SEMO of all teams. Uh, which is really hurting us, and um, you know we've been efficient but not explosive. And SP likes efficiency more than explosiveness, but they also want your big explosive plays to go somewhere, which ours really have not. So uh, that is part of the reason why we took such a hit, especially after South Carolina. Now it's four games, even with small sample sizes, this will grade out as uh, teams start playing their peers a lot more often. Um, so yeah, I don't, do I actually think they're 53rd? No. Um, do I think they're, you know, t top 10? No, not yet. But I think the potential is absolutely there. Um, and as far as just managing the schedule goes, uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. This is kind of, it's a, it's a do over, right? Hey, you are, you did this, these four games stretch once, do it again. Uh, we're going to add a little bit of difficulty with two on the road, uh, against conference opponents and one that's always had your number for the past five years. Um, but this is, you know, step one is complete. Step two is show us that you can do it again. And then we get into the meat and, uh, I don't know. Are you, you going to say four and oh, as we get out of this, or do you, are you leaning more three and one out of this stretch? I'm not confident enough to say either. <laughs> Let me say Fair this. Enough. Um, and, and I'll get into your, your, your sixth prompt, if you sure, will, that you ahead. sent me before. Um, the big prediction Moving forward, I'll stick with this quadrant, this uh, third of the schedule. I keep saying quadrant; it's not a quadrant. It's a it's third. okay. It's my show. You say whatever um, you want. Thanks, man. I appreciate your uh, your grace there. I think the Mizzou Vanderbilt game is the closest game we're gonna see oh, in these next four. Really? Um, and take that to mean what you want it to mean, because I'm not sure that I am confident enough to say whether that means they're gonna win or they're gonna lose. Um, huh. obviously Troy is good. Yes. Um, they're, they're one of the better teams that Mizzou has played this year. Um, Ole Miss is not good. They're, they're fine, but they're, you know, quote unquote fine. <laughs> Vanderbilt is not good, but I mean, what have we seen from Missouri this year? They've had one road game and they did not look good at all. Correct. And I mean, Vanderbilt has to be a better team than Wyoming, right? Like all the numbers say that they are. I, I think that, oh, I guess maybe not, but I think that, yeah, I just looked. It's, I was it's like, I assumed, that, I assumed that Vanderbilt was going to be better. Only Man, slightly better than Vanderbilt. I'm going to hold, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it though. Okay. I'm going to stick with it. I do think that's going to be the closest game that we see. And, and I'll give you kind of the two scenarios there. Okay. If Mizzou wins that game, I think what you're seeing is 
they take care of business against Troy and Ole Miss, and they actually do kind of the to Kentucky what they did to South Carolina. But if they lose that Vanderbilt game, mm-hmm. then I think you might be seeing another loss to Kentucky. I, I I don't know. Maybe that's where you get your seven and five. Mm-hmm. That's, maybe that's where you find your other loss. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I've, I'm really concerned about that Vanderbilt game for some reason. Vanderbilt's not good, but it's kind of the thing that with Mizzou, I feel like the the mantra that a lot of people have is it, it's. I hate doing this because I hate that this is always what it's used for, but it's the show me state. And then the motto is for the football program in a lot of years is show me. So it's like, until they show me that they can go on the road and handle business against an inferior team, I'm going to be nervous. Mm -hmm. Do I think they're going to lose that game? No. I mean, the, the probability of them losing that game is, is, is low, but but I'm more nervous about that game than I am. I should. I guess. I guess I'm not more nervous about it than Kentucky. But until we get to Kentucky, that's the one I've got my eye on. I think. I think they've got enough of a chip on their shoulder that they're going to take care of business against Troy. It's again, like I said, it's another team like Wyoming. It's a team they should beat, uh, non-power five team. But I think that'll remind them of kind of what they went into uh, to start the year, and they'll take care of business almost like a revenge game against a team that is not Wyoming. Yeah. But yeah, that Vanderbilt game is um, it's got me feeling some type of way. I don't know. Maybe they'll go out and they'll hang fifty on them, and it'll, it'll be like a thirty-point game, and it won't even be close. But <laughs> until I see it, until I see it, I'm nervous. Yeah, and I feel like justifiably nervous. And we haven't seen enough of Andy either because they played Georgia and LSU. You know, they played two top ten teams and then Purdue. Um, you know what what does uh, what does Vanderbilt do well? Uh, run it and play defense. Who else does that on our schedule? <laughs> Wyoming does <laughs> that on our schedule. And Keyshawn Vaughn yep. is quite a bit better than Xavier uh, Valade, and he's really good at explosive runs. What is our defense bad at? Stopping explosive plays. So you're not crazy. Even if Vanderbilt ranks <clears throat> 108th in SP. <laughs> hey, man, you can't expect me to research everything. Look, look, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, not a, I'm not a podcast host all the time. I'm just, I'm just, f- I'm just a deputy manager I, that's all you are i'm just fleshing out your argument just putting putting some numbers to what you're saying i'm not saying you're crazy anything's possible with missouri show me stuff and all that aside uh we are just emotionally abused fans who never believe it until we actually see it that's that's all that really means and i'll say there are only 12 is it 12 yeah there are only 12 spots behind wyoming and it's SP. not bad I mean, yeah. it's once you get once you get there, it's all just gravy, right? It's, like there, it's yeah. all just like a mishmash of mediocrity. Pretty much, pretty much, so. yeah. So we have a bye week. We've taken a look at the teams. Um, I, I, as someone who used to cover college football at a national level, I, there really were no bye weeks. So this is very odd for me. Um, this is kind of the opportunity that you have to walk outside and see a butterfly and ask if it's a bird. Uh, but really explore the fall, uh, the fall season uh, that's slowly coming uh, to Missouri. Uh, so, you know, what are you going to do? You don't have Missouri on the TVs. Uh, do you have any plans for your full Saturday without Missouri football? Well, I mean, the the Cardinals are just going to give me a stroke <laughs> at some point <laughs> in this last week. Um, this is not a Cardinal podcast. But not oh yet. Boy, I I was yeah I was. Oh boy! Recorded this on Wednesday night. The Cardinals lost nine to seven to the Diamondbacks today, and and the, apparently the Brewers are just never going to lose a game ever again. So, 
any Brewers fans out there, I would like to let you know that your baseball team is bad. Uh, they're propped up by a lot of good luck, a decent bullpen, and an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll get a little bit hate the hate with that, but whatever. Clicks, um, baby. But they're obviously winning games now. So I'll, I'll be closely paying attention to what the Cardinals are doing this weekend. Um, you know, I'll, I'll keep my eye on college football. Um, but for the most part, I think when you cover a team so extensively as we do at Rock M Nation, plug, 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 uh-huh. um, you kind of want to give yourself a little bit of a break. Um, I, I like college football, but I'm, but I'm in it for Missouri. So I'll pay attention. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of keep my eye on what's ahead, but... I'm hopefully looking forward to celebrating a, a baseball uh, division championship, maybe catching up on some movies that I haven't seen, and uh, just enjoying a nice fall here in North Carolina. It's actually pretty cool here oh. in NC. Uh, it was it was in the 60s the other Look day. Look at that. Uh, it was like 90 today, but um, but uh, it's yeah, it's cooling down here. Get up in the mountains a little bit. Yeah. Go apple picking. There you go. Just a fall afternoon, you know, with my boy. Yeah, you go to a go to a zoo, go to a park, just uh, explore the things around you. It's nice to, you know, when you when you park yourself in front of the TV for four hours every Saturday and watch something that gives you a stroke for two and a half hours and and hopefully bliss in the last half hour. It's nice to just enjoy a full Saturday without any drama, without any loss hanging over your head or residual stress uh, making your hair turn gray. So go yeah, go walk. It, at some point, too, I want to get up to uh, Boone, North Carolina, which is where uh, oh, the State. State Mountaineers play. Yeah. Um, I am about an hour away from Boone, and that is a wonderful town, and I would really like to go to a game. So maybe the next bye week I can make my way up to uh, App State. Hey, I can wear my black and gold. They won't even notice. <laughs> so you'll just blend right in. Yep. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Josh, for jumping on and talking about the Tigers with me. Much appreciated. Of course. Thank you for having me on. It's always uh, wonderful to get to chat with you on Before the Box Score. Sorry, I actually, I'm a bit of a talker, so we went about uh, 20 minutes longer than you usually go. <laughs> but uh, but I had a good time. Thanks for having me on again. Look, as long as we don't have the result that what happened last time you jumped on the podcast, we're okay. And since we're not playing this week, we can't possibly lose. So it's a win in my book. Congratulations. Oh, man. You you are just gripping the monkey's paw, and the fingers are closing right now. <laughs> We're going to find some way to lose the bye week. I know. It's going to be something stupid, I know. But ACL tear or something. I'll knock on wood right now to undo that curse. Yeah, hey, I'll just I'll tear my ACL. I'll, I'll jump on that. So, I appreciate your sacrifice. I'll do it for the team. Thank you again for tuning in again to Before the Box Score. I always promise to be better next week, and I stand by that. Enjoy your bye week, Tiger fans. Until next time. Bye-bye.